Sports Talk, where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Always remember the Sunbury Motors Service Department is open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. That is Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. And they do great work. Sal Palantonio in a moment. But first, look at our play-by-play call of the past. Deshaun Jackson to the house. And it's a line drive kick. Jackson bobbles it and now has to try and recover. Deshaun Jackson gets a block. Are you kidding? Deshaun Jackson still not in and now in for the touchdown. No flags. Unbelievable. No time left. Eagles win. Joe Buck with the call on Fox, and that still not in. If you remember, he ran parallel to the goal line, ate up some more time, and then went into the end zone. Deshaun Jackson. All right. Very pleased to be to have back with us Sal Palantonio. You can follow him on Instagram at SalPalESPN. First of all, to uh, from us to you and your family, we hope everybody's doing well and they're safe. That's the most important part, Sal. So. Yeah, I hope everybody's safe and healthy there. That is the most important thing. I think if we do the right thing, we'll get through this to the other side. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Okay, so uh, this is going to be obviously a draft unlike any other we've seen. So what will your approach be? Because I think what you've got the Eagles, the Jets, the Giants, the Ravens, it sounds like. So how are you going to be able to put that together? Yeah, well, today my wife of 42 years took on a new role, camera person, and <laughs> and, and 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 uh, and and tech and tech uh, on the on the side. She helped me put together the final touches uh, on my home studio here. First time I've had a home studio in 25 years at ESPN. They always tried to get me to do one, and we always were reluctant to do it because we didn't want the intrusion in the house and I don't want ESPN to be able to just call me up with a snap of a finger and say hey we want to put you on TV so uh, you know and I live down the street from NFL Films literally three miles away and I've been hosting the matchup show for 18 years and we tape it there every Friday afternoon and we have these two shows for the draft the NFL matchup draft special specials show one and two will both be taped on Friday, and I will host it from my home studio. It's the first time that any of our shows on ESPN will be hosted from the home studio as opposed to the in-studio in Bristol, Connecticut, or NFL Films. So, great big experiment. We worked all day to try to get it all faxed out. That's amazing, because uh, my wife of nearly 41 years also had to play camera person today, because I had to Tape something for the uh, uh, the Beaver Stadium run to benefit Special Olympics. So, <laughs> so I'm talking about irony. That is funny. Yep, we're all trying to you know be flexible and uh, figure out what we can do. You know, there's an old adage in sports, as you know, Steve. The more you can do, the more you can do, right? 
<laughs> exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. All right. So the Eagles go went through uh went through free agency and I always feel like there's stages and one of the stages is what do you do in free agency and I've always felt that sets up the draft. Uh, I don't know if you feel the same way, but that's how I've always looked at it. Uh, so now that the Eagles have gone through that, how does that now set up the draft as to how they can approach rounds one and two? Okay. So I just did Sal Pal Eagle scouting report one week before the 2020 draft. While we're on the air live here, why don't I email it to you? What's your email? Can you pull up your email? Yeah, it's right here in front of me. Okay. Go ahead. Pull, give me your email. Oh, do you mind doing it out I, over I, the air? I, I, no, I don't mind. I've got enough people emailing me. They seem to have found it. Uh, it is sxj12 at psu.edu. Okay, here it comes. Dot right. E-D-E-U. Okay, yeah. SXJ12 at PSUEDU. Here it comes. I just did I, I did it this morning, Okay. Uh, and I just sent it to you, and you'll see it. So I have the Eagles as it comes over. Tell me when you have it, and we'll go I got through it. it together. I, I okay, got it. I have the Eagles' top three needs as wide receiver, cornerback, and left tackle, and then... I put the ads and the losses in free agency, like you just said. You're a smart man. And then, yep. you, as you can see, for wide receiver, the Eagles offense averaged 6.46 yards per target when throwing to wide receivers last season. Now, get this, Steve. Almost half a yard worse than every other offense in the league. I, I mean, the Carolina is next, and they're almost at seven. So, to me, and you look at the Eagles wide receiver last year, reception percentage, 28th in the league. They were 57%. That's a super low number. Yards per target, last in the league, 6.46 yards per target. Reception yards, you can see it, 1647, 1,647, 30 firsts, and only 11 receiving touchdowns. So, I, I think it's without a doubt the number one need on the football team. And I went through it and did a lot of digging. And the Eagles have done an, an exceptional amount of homework on 15 wide receivers. They met with 10 wide receivers at the combine, more than double any other position group. And the 15, now let's go through the 10 at the combine. Gabriel Davis at UCF. Yep. K.J. Hamler. You know him yep. very well. Very well. Penn State. K.J. Hill, Ohio State. Je- <laughs> Justin Jefferson, a top five wide receiver in this draft, LSU. Mm-hmm. Jawan Jennings, Tennessee. At the con- now, this is just at the combine where they met with him. Denzel Mims right. of Baylor. Donovan Peoples-Jones of Michigan. You know him mm-hmm. well, as I'm, I'm sure, very, very well. Yeah, very well. He and K.J. Hill both, because K.J. Hill was at Ohio State. Yep. Uh, Jalen Rieger of TCU. Henry Ruggs mm-hmm. III of Alabama. And Quaz Watkins of Southern Mississippi. Now, the guy that's not on there is the other guy from Alabama, considering considered the number one guy, Jerry Judy. And I think right. that's just because they don't, they don't think they can get him. There's like be no the way they think that they could go up and possibly get him. Right. Yeah, I mean, let's say he would—he'd be off the board. I mean, that—that that tells you everything. 
Uh, as it tells to, you as everything, and the fact that they have spent so much time on wide receivers tells you that. Now, what's interesting to me, Steve, is the second the position the position group that got the second most attention was not corner; it was edge rusher. Nine yeah. guys. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's be now. Uh, obviously, edge rusher has become a premium. But what's interesting is it seems on paper that this is a deep wide receiver draft that you can get a pretty good guy in rounds two and three, but edge rusher, it's is it seems a little more limited in this draft. Now the one guy, the two guys at the Senior Bowl from Penn State, Robert Windsor, yep, and and, and uh, John Reed, the corner, yes, are two guys that they spent a lot of time with. At the Senior Bowl, they really did. So I think they have significant interest in both those young men. Uh, Windsor uh, is quick, quick inside, and he can get pressure from the inside. So there's the defensive tackle. You know what Reed brings to the table, Sal? That I think a lot of teams might like. Well, he's really smart. I mean, he has an engineering degree, tech degree, the whole deal. But he's a corner that can flip inside and play the slot. What's his size? Uh, he, I'd say John is five ten and a half, five eleven. Okay, so he's not he's not like a uh, uh, Craven LeBlanc or anybody like that. No, he's not like no. He's, no. So he's got some he, size to him, and he's smart. I mean, Sal. I mean, you want to talk smart, but you know how there's some corners, and you know this. Well, he tells you is he a willing tackler? Willing tackler. Good sense for the so ball. He's a guy, so he's a guy that they could clearly look at. Clearly, yeah. and when you look at the Eagles' defense last year, they allowed 17 receiving touchdowns to perimeter receivers, most in the NFL. And they were especially susceptible to big plays from the outside. They allowed 10 receiving touchdowns of 30 yards or more by perimeter receivers last year. That, that's why they went out and tried to get some veteran guys. To me, I always believe, Steve, that one of the hardest positions to plug in and play at is cornerback. Oh, Because yes. you, 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 you may have talent, but you have to really know how to play the position. It's a, it's a, you have to study the game and apply your skill Right away, to your to your uh, in classroom work. Okay. And I'll, I'll, let me give you a quick John Reed story. John Reed studies so much tape, so much tape. He actually watched tape of Penn State's receivers so he could practice better against them. Who does that? Mm. I mean, that's that that's crazy. Uh, it is. Jason Peters, key loss. Now, the offensive line, as you point out in this, really, a fat, thanks for sending this, by the way, because this is great. Uh, you write, four of the five Eagles starters in the offensive line posted pass block win rates of at least 90%. Primary starting left tackle was 38-year-old Jason Peters. The only starter below 90 he was at 87%. How do they need to handle that part right there? Well, you see the next line. Last year's yep. first-round pick. Dillard yep. posted 88% pass block win rate in limited action. Right. 316 snaps. Um, you know, I looked at the film on Dillard. 
uh, I thought he was inconsistent at best. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I have my doubts that he's an every he's an every down left tackle, Steve. I really do. Uh, I know you have to look at the Giants, Jets, and Ravens as well as part of this. Any any quick thumbnail on those three that intrigue you? Well, I know a lot of prognosticators have the Giants taking an offensive tackle. That's the Dave Gettleman way. You know, he he wants guys who are going to bolster the offensive and defensive lines, especially helping Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones. Yep. But if I'm Gettleman, I think wide receiver is a major need for the New York Giants. I think the Giants have got to get in the end zone. Any players who can get in the end zone. And Joe Judge came out of an offensive system in New England where the ball came out so quickly because by design and because the quarterback wanted to get rid of the ball, he didn't want to get hit. Right. Talk about Tom Brady. Yeah. See, I think that if they design the offense differently, where Jones has more options and get the ball out of his hands more quickly, the offense will be better. The offensive linemen will play better as a result. I think you're going to see that in Tampa right away. Tampa yep. had a poor offensive line last year, but I think because Brady's going to get the ball out more quickly, they'll be better. And you know, if I were the I, Giants, I would consider taking wide receiver where they are. And I, you know, and I, I can see what you're talking about because it opens everything up. Because Jack Ham and I on the Penn State football broadcast talk about this all the time. You see a lot of teams in college go to the spread. Well, we both feel that one of the reasons is it takes many times the offensive line out of the mix. And what you're talking about is exactly that with the Giants. I think it's true, too, for Sam Darnold and the Jets. Yeah, I know I Joe do Douglas is also looking at offensive line at 11. But to me, the way for you to get these young quarterbacks, Darnold and Jones, to get rid of the ball more quickly is to have mm-hmm. more confidence in who they're throwing it to. Guys yeah. will be open. Guys are going to catch the ball. I'm going to get rid of it more quickly. And that's going to make the offensive line play better. Timing and rhythm on offense will be better. When you have guys open, then you got to cover them. you got to double-team them. And that's going to allow Saquon Barkley and Le'Veon Bell to run the ball with more production. Hand-in-hand. Hand. I think right now the reason why teams are stacking the box on Barkley and stacking the box on Bell is because there's no home run threat. There's no, there's no timing and rhythm threat in the passing game. And so they can tee off on the O-line. You are so right on both counts. Uh, Ravens, uh, obviously a little different style than some people. They've also done well in the draft over the years. When you look at Baltimore... Uh, which is going to be one of the other primary focuses that you'll have next week. Uh, what are some of the thoughts there? Well, to me, um, the Ravens blew it last year against Tennessee, and they yes. also were unlucky. Mark yeah. Ingram II was hurt. He was limited in action against Tennessee. They decided they completely gave up the run game because of it. They had Lamar Jackson throw it 59 times. I think they got to get younger, faster, and stronger in the running game. 
Yeah. They ran the ball more than any other team last year. You're going to continue to run it. Your quarterback is the most lethal running threat in the history of the game at quarterback position. Give him some depth. Give him give him some electricity at the running back position. And I would take one of the top backs in this draft if I wore the Baltimore Ravens. I know that they did that once before, yep. and they took Ray uh, Ray Rice. Yep. And, and look where it got him. Yeah, it paid off for years for them. Yeah, and I'm not saying that Mark Ingram is is not still a productive back, but when you needed him the most, he was not available. And that well, really you, torpedoed your ability to go to the AFC Championship game. No question. And if you're going to be in a position to play the style they want to play, you need more than one. You probably need three. And that's what we do on the NFL matchup draft specials. We don't do mock drafts, Steve. What we do is we take oh, players and we try to see where they're going to fit the scheme, yep. fit the tactics, the prevailing tactics and scheme of a football team and league-wide. Like right now, the league's playing option football at the quarterback position. I'm talking about the NFL. That's right. It's playing option football, you know. I mean, that was proven in the Super Bowl. When, when Mahomes beat Jimmy G, uh, who plays play-action football, that's the bottom line. You have to have a quarterback who's a running threat now in a league. And I think we're playing option football. We're playing spread option football. And on defense, it's all about substitution defense. Where you've got to have versatility, and your yep. secondary and your linebackers have to have multiple strengths. That may be one of the reasons why they looked at that young man read out of Penn State. Yeah. Well, no, ex- exactly. He, it looks like it, he can do a lot of different things from the cornerback position. He's good feet. Yep. It's you know it's style, it's scheme, and it's matchups. I mean, and that's what you that's what you do all the time on that show. That's why I love watching that stuff because you get down to what really I think is the heart of the game. And so we're taping two shows Friday, God willing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, if Mrs. Palantonio can handle the camera. <laughs> <laughs> My confidence is rising in her, though. <laughs> yeah, we have to get her that IBEW per diem rate. I know. that Suddenly she's going to be union. <laughs> <laughs> Sal, I can't thank you enough for doing this. I'm really looking forward to seeing the show. So thank you so much. Both shows. All I'm right, looking here, forward so to both of them. Why don't you critique the show, watch the show, critique it. Yep. I'll come on next week uh, right before the draft, and we'll do um, – We'll, we'll do one more before the draft, and then we'll break it down after the draft where all these Penn State young men go. Hey, let's knock it out of the park. That's a great idea. Thanks for offering that. The audience and I appreciate it a lot. All right, boss. You have a good one. Stay safe. Do the right thing. We'll be okay. You bet. You too. Look forward to talking to you again. Have have great shows. I know, I know they'll be terrific. All right, if you want to email me back and forth. But, hey, Steve, don't give my email out over the radio. Right? Uh, you're, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just sacrifice me. <laughs> I'll talk to you. Thanks, Sal. <laughs> we'll come back with more in a moment. 
on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. <laughs> when it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way. The SMC way wins every time. Subway Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at SunburyMotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Don't forget the Sunbury Motors Service Department open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. That's 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday through Friday. Coming up on tomorrow's show, Penn State basketball coach Patrick Chambers. And then Saturday uh, on the uh, Penn State uh, Sports Network show from 1.30 to 2.30, head football coach James Franklin will be joining me on that show. All right. Very pleased to be joined from... NFL Network, uh, and you can follow him on Twitter at Charlie Casserly. Uh, and Charlie Casserly joins us. Always appreciate the man in the arena. This man has been in the arena and uh, did great work there and does great work now. Thanks for your time, Charlie. Great to be with you, guys. Good. All right, so let's uh, let's start with this. Uh, I want to talk about the Eagles and the Steelers here specifically to get rolling. What did free agency tell you about the Eagles and then what were the tip-offs in that free agency and then tells you what their draft approach might be? Well, I don't you know. They did not address the wide receiver position, number one. Uh, number two, what they did a good job there is, is picking up the corner, Darius Slate. That gives them a, a true number one corner, uh, somebody that can uh, uh, match up with the number one receiver. That takes pressure off the second cornerback position, which which has been, but to me, it's been an Achilles heel for them. Um, so, you know, they move Jalen Mills at the safety. Avante yeah. Maddox is, is a good player. He's not a big guy, but he's a good player. But uh, to me, wide receiver uh, is the need. They help the cornerback position out. The wide receiver part is interesting with Philadelphia uh, because last year down the stretch, it was Greg Ward, the converted quarterback, that had to play a lot of wide out and was the prime guy. When you look at the wide out needs, is it actually multiple, not just getting a wide out, but might they be, need more than that? I, I think that, that to me, they would need more than one. I mean, you're not sure what you're going to get out of Deshaun Jackson um, at this point in time. When he was there, he, he did what he was supposed to do take the top off the defense, change the coverage, etc. But you didn't get much out of him last year with the injuries. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey is kind of getting up there in years. Um, I think you need you need the speed guy that can go play, and Deshaun Jackson, he's an enigma right now. What you got for him for yourself this year, and you need a replacement at some point for Jefferson. 
I know at the Senior Bowl and I know at the Combine, you know, they talk to corners, obviously, and they also talk to wideouts. They talk to a lot of wideouts at, at the Combine, but they also talk to edge rushers. What do you see in edge rusher for Philadelphia? Well, it, it's something they've always been strong about is the defensive line uh, and the offensive line. Um, and that's one of their, their uh, uh, tenets there. We want to be, that goes back to Danny Reed, see. So, uh, uh, don't uh, dismiss them taking another red rusher. You know, Brandon Graham is uh, getting up there a little bit. Uh, not a lot, but he's getting up there. He's over 30 now. And then you've got uh, Barnett, who I don't know that um, has quite uh, hit, hit his stride yet. So, uh, uh, edge rushers, I can see that. Uh, that. That would be right up in Howie Roseman's DNA. Uh, pick up a wide receiver after the first round. The Steelers already have their first-round pick, and that is Minka Fitzpatrick. That's exa- essentially what he is. He is their their first-round pick this year. When they get exactly. to round two, so they got a, they got a I, Pro Bowler first-round pick. Yeah, they, exactly. And I just, in fact, I just I talked with Tom Bradley for about forty-five minutes yesterday. As a matter of fact, you know, we go back forty years, so that's why we talk forty-five minutes. Uh, yeah. But yeah, but you know, when you look at round two. What direction should the Steelers start to go in, starting with round two? Uh, you know, I, I think that uh, uh, a receiver, uh, another receiver may, is a possibility in that situation. Uh, I think you take the best player available, though, um, whether it's another corner. Uh, I think corner would be, to me, the, probably the number one need if, you sit, if you're sitting there by need. But you've got to take the best position. Uh, it's available, and, and just draft that way, and, and work from there. Can I? I want TV for a moment. I want to go to your experience. How often did you find yourself when you were sitting in that chair, where best player meant something to you, something to you at that moment? And how often was it? Look, I have a specific need. I got to go for this, despite best player. You know, how difficult well, was that it, decision, Charlie? What you try to do is this, okay? is you want to take the best player available and then maneuver maybe trades to get need. Now, now here's your problem. We're all human, right? Okay? Yeah. And there is, no, <laughs> there is no mathematical formula to get pick football players. Okay? Period. There isn't. People may have them, but there is no – there's too many variables in there. Um, how do you grade the tape? Okay? How do you grade a personality? It, those things you can't get by numbers. Okay? Um, that's, that's a visual interpretation of something, okay? You can do testing all you want. It still comes out. There's a human element there. Anyway, um, so what happens is subconsciously you'll talk yourself into a player being better than he is because you want him to fill that need. That's human nature, okay? Right. Um, hey, I've made that mistake, see? Um, what we found was the way to eliminate making that mistake was once we arrived at what we thought was a range grade, then we put up history. Here's the last seven drafts. Where's this guy going to go in those seven drafts? That balanced it. That was the sobering thing that got us into having a better draft board and being more consistent, taking the best player available. But you do you do have to fight that thing because you can sit there and say, well, when we did this in Houston, we had D'Amico Ryans as a top player on our board. Yeah. Tackle's a big need for us. And we have some tackles rated not far behind him. You know, I'll give the coach credit. Gary Kubiak, hey, just take the best player available. We took D'Amico Ryans, he's a pro Bowl player. We ended up getting the tackles anyway. And, <laughs> and you know, one of them played uh, 10 years, and the other one, got, unfortunately, got uh, had a careering injury as a rookie when he was starting. So take the best player available. It'll all work out. There's a lot of ways to get players. 
All right. Uh, so when you look at, for example, I'll, I'll give you an example, trading up and getting multiple picks. For you, what would be a criteria to trade down to get multiple picks? Because, for example, Dave Gettleman sitting at four, and I guess my understanding is he's never made that deal. He's always he's stuck where he is. He's always drafted where he was put. So what was always your criteria about thinking, how do I handle multiple picks? Uh, trading down. I, I I wouldn't want to move out of the range of players that we have listed in front of us, okay? So, for example, if I've got three second-round grades left um, and I move down 20 spots, I don't like that. I'd rather get one of those second-round graded players. Um, if we have a lot of players that are graded the same, okay. If we have nobody left in that round that we want, hey, let's move down and pick up picks. So it's kind of like um, if you, if, you know, there are players there that you want within a certain range that you don't want to get out of. And, and if there are, then you, you can't get out of that range. In round numbers, I know there are are obviously going to be 32 first-round picks, but in reality in this draft, when you look, you talk about recent drafts, to you, how many actual, quote, first-round picks are there in this draft? Well, I'm looking at my last mock draft, and I would say there's um, a round number here. Probably... uh, on the high side, 25. On the low side, 20. Okay. Now, when I did this for real, which means for real is you know a lot more than you know now, okay? You have access <laughs> to a lot more information. We averaged about 18 in a year. Okay. So. No, that, I think that gives the audience a good idea of what, you know, like if there's, say, 18, you know, that's pretty much a number that people can think about, and then you start thinking about guys that are like probably second-round, third-round picks in other years. The quarterbacks are obviously going to be one that's going to draw a lot of interest, right? and it's going to start right out of the gate. How do you look at those? I guess I'll throw Love in there as a fourth quarterback. How do you look at those four, Burrow, Tua, Herbert, and then Love? Well, I've got uh, Burrow one, clearly. Um, uh, I think the difference between him and Tua is, is the body build. He's a bigger man, uh, yeah. more durable. Two, a little bit more consistent in accuracy and decision-making. Uh, Tua, uh, uh, discount the injury. I think he's a top five, five pick in any year. Um, again, there's a little bit of, uh, uh, how do we want to say there? Uh, I don't want to say gambling, but... Uh, um, you know the guy. The guy will make some throws there, and you go. I'm not sure he should have made that one, or he'll miss that one. So he's got a little bit of that in him. But again, he's, I think he's a top five pick in any draft. Uh, I, I surveyed, excuse me, coaches that played these people in college, yeah. and the survey was fifty-fifty as to which one you take. Now I surveyed twenty-seven NFL teams. Who would you take? And twenty-three had Burrow. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to Tua. So, and the difference really there was the bodybuilder, maybe the consistent on the accuracy. Um, I then go Herbert and Love three and four. Herbert and Love three and four. Okay. Uh, I know. Well, with Tua, you talk about Tua. Tua thinks he can make every throw. I think well, that's. that's I think that that's what I th- <laughs> Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think he thinks he can make every throw. Uh, 
Burrow, the only time I ever saw Burrow in person, Charlie, he was warming up at Ohio State in the sideline. I didn't think too much about it. So, because <laughs> I didn't do the LSU games, I do Penn State, Ohio State games. Yeah. Uh, so I only saw him warm up. What about Herbert? Uh, there, there, sometimes you know, go ahead. And so we'll, oh, we'll okay. see. Yeah, we'll no, see we'll if, see. You know, see if the guy uh, is for real. Now, he's going from one extreme to the other now. He's going from a loaded team where he rarely got hit. Um, and had uh, Pro Bowl receivers to a team that's you know was the worst team in the league last year. So I don't think he is a guy that um, is an elite number one pick. I think he's the best play. I think he's the best quarterback in this year's draft. Uh, there's some people that are mixed on Herbert. Uh, are you mixed on him, or does he have, or do you think he has what it takes to eventually be a good NFL quarterback? I'm mixed on him. He's got. He has the raw talent, uh, yeah. the, uh, consistency, and accuracy in decision making uh, bothers me. Uh, you know, some people feel he's a little bit more reserved as a person. I can't comment on that. Uh, I that that wouldn't bother me as much. Um, how you play is how you lead. You start there, and how you work. If you play well, they'll follow you, and if you work hard, they'll follow you. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'll bring up Chase Young. Before I get the shakes, because yeah, I called enough Chase Young plays in the backfield <laughs> the last two years. When you look at when you look at him, do you see the elite player that many people think he is? Yeah, I do. He's the best defensive end uh, edge player that I've uh, seen since uh, in the last probably twenty years. Okay. Okay. I put him ahead of. Uh, now I'm not counting Bosa. I'm not counting Nick Bosa because he played three games. I, I, I can't make a decision on a guy who played three games versus guys who played you know a lot more than that. So, right. and, and you've got to be careful not to think of Nick Bosa this year as opposed to Nick Bosa for three games. And I thought he was a, a, a top pick last year. Okay, so I'm taking him out of the equation. This guy's right. more consistent than Miles Garrett, uh, more productive than Jaden Avery Clowney, better durability, uh, more athletic than Mario Williams, and. Um, uh, more instinctive and productive than Julius Peppers, who was not the first pick in the draft. He was the second pick in the draft. Right. And, and that's kind of how I go back and, and just compare them. And I, I know in, in watching tape of Young and getting ready to, to broadcast a Penn State-Ohio State game, I noticed that he's got two, three counter moves to go with just a, he's not just a one move guy he's got two or three counter moves and that's what impressed me about him that showed me that he's not just a great athlete he's smart about it no you don't find many guys who have counter moves coming out of college uh what i thought he could beat you inside he could beat you outside uh he could set the rush and set the edge to stop the run you know i i think he's a, he's a complete player when you look at the offensive line charlie what a couple guys that jump out right away that have the potential within a couple of years to help the team that does draft them? I think there's four guys to me that are uh, number one picks. Uh, and you've got Jedrick Wills of Alabama, who played right tackle, uh, but I think he has the athletic ability to play left tackle, too. Uh, Tristan Wirfs, who played right tackle, uh, better than Brandon Sheriff coming out. Mm-hmm. I think he can play right tackle at guard. Andrew Thomas is a left tackle. Uh, I think he's a starting left tackle in the league. He's from Georgia. And Micaiah Becton is the best player of the four. Um, but he may not go the best of the four. But, but he is, to me, the best player, and he's a left tackle. 
What makes him, in your opinion, the best of the four? Well, the guy's got extraordinary size. I think he's about 370 pounds, six foot seven, something like that. Yeah. Uh, I don't have the stuff right in front of me, but he's got uh, he's got the feet of a much smaller man, and he's got power. Uh, so you don't find a guy that big with that kind of feet and that kind of power. One final question: Give me a name of a guy that might fly under somebody's radar, but on your radar, you're saying team gets gets him's probably going to get a player, even though he may not be the marquee guy right out of the gate. Well, I'll give you a running back, Cam Akers of Florida State. Yeah, I mean, this guy's an explosive guy that you're not going to get in the first, not going to pick in the first round, um, and I think that he's a guy that can uh, develop and, and make a difference. Charlie, it was an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for the insight and uh, just a great time talking with you. The audience got a lot out of it, and I enjoyed it. All right, great to be with you now. Thank you. Charlie Casserly of NFL Network. We will come back. Matt has been busy writing down draft picks, and the suit's been calling Vegas. Uh, as we continue. I'm still catching up on Sal Pal's notes. <laughs> should catch up on those notes. We gave you top quarterbacks, top you know underrated guys. We gave you top four linemen. We got Chase Young in there. I didn't even talk about Chase Young with Sal Powell. It's been quite an hour, huh? Absolutely. All right. Come back, wrap it up in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. I'd like to thank all the fans who have been emailing me in the last uh, 30 minutes. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> hey, Sal asked. The heck? <laughs> That's the only way to do it. <laughs> it's been better than giving out my phone number. That's true. <laughs> That's very true. At least with the email, I got to delete. <laughs> <laughs> That was a funny segment. That was. Uh, been a great day today. Pat Chambers is going to be on the show tomorrow. Looking forward to that. And Mike Singer from the Denver Post. Uh, you you want to see alumni go out and flourish. Uh, you know, on the on the field, on the court, on the mat, whatever it may be. But there's also a, a post-athletic life. You know, how do you succeed in a post-athletic life? Can you stay in this? Like Jack Ham stayed in this, even though Jack has his own business. Jack's involved in football every day because of you know working on the Penn State Sports Network. Uh, Matt Millen has been able to stay, and Todd Black legislated. So that, they've done it from a broadcasting point of view. But from a front office point of view, Calvin Booth is an assistant general manager, and some say he's the leading candidate to be the GM in an organization that promotes from within. We're going to talk to Mike Singer of the Denver Post about that tomorrow, along with Patrick. And we've got a lot more football stuff coming up. Not a little, a lot. And so we'll have that uh, to look forward to on tomorrow's show. It's great to hear from Terry Smith today. And great to hear from Sal Palantonio. Great to hear from Charlie Casserly. We hope that you found it to be an informative hour. We're eight days away 
from the NFL draft. Uh, I was interviewed, I was telling Matt, uh, I was interviewed by three different outlets today about various topics. And, you know, one of the questions was, you know, how do I feel about, you know, how strange is it to not be doing the blue-white game? And obviously, I've done a lot of blue-white games in my career. And it was always something to look forward to. And, you know, it's really interesting. I don't know what the summer holds for baseball. I, you know, you know, I'm talking about spikes, cutters. I don't know what the summer holds. But in the last 14 years, I have not gone more than two months between play-by-play assignments. Have not gone more than that. So, but you know what? Just all stay healthy. That way uh, we can all hit the accelerator and do whatever we can to get back to some semblance of normal life. Although Mark Lawrence has been saying having the suit working from home has actually been enjoyable. Okay, Uh, but that's a different topic. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sunbury Motors Service Department, which is outstanding. Open 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday through Friday. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Okay.